Little kids eat pace, but nobody eats the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast that really toes the line. He's sick of paying dues to the podcaster's union. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We are so happy to have you here with us. And uh, by we, I mean me, myself, and Randy Carson, my uh, loyal sidekick and podcast engineer for lo these many years. We're here to help you feel good about the uh, approach of Medicare. And if you've already crossed over that line from Obamacare to Medicare, you already know, if you followed my advice, how good it feels to have reasonably priced but very strong protection against the possibility of outrageous medical expenses. You're rarely going to be in jeopardy of a financial loss if you've followed my uh, recommendations when you approached Medicare for the first time. And that's what I do for a living. Now, where did I get all this knowledge? Well, I read my own book. I wrote it and then I read it and I absorbed all the Medicare knowledge in it. And I became an expert and you can too. The name of my book is Medicare for the Lazy Man. The 2022 version is out right now. It's out on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. You would have your choice of three different types of books on Amazon. You can get a hardcover. You can get a, a paperback. You can get a Kindle or ebook version for your electronic reader. And you can get the Audible version, whereby you listen to me as I recite my book to you. And uh, that's pretty exciting also. But uh, the important thing is that all of those editions are priced at the rock bottom price that I was allowed to uh, uh, allowed to cause. In other words, Amazon makes me charge a certain minimum amount for each one uh, so they can get their money back for publishing them. And then I am allowed to add all kinds of profit on top of those. Well, I've added virtually no profit in order that you might have access to excellent Medicare uh, information and my personal recommendations as a Medicare expert for very, very little cost over and above the actual cost of producing the book. So I would encourage you to go buy one of my books and uh, absorb what you can and then contact me and ask me questions if there are things that are still a little murky. Uh, one of the people that will ask you to contact me later on in this podcast episode is Randy Carson. Randy, it's good to see you today. How are you? I'm good. You were I, you were uh, disturbed at the cloudy weather we were having before. Yes, I was whining. I'm sorry. I, I hate right. to whine, but I moved out here for one reason. That was from uh, the to, Midwest to enjoy the cloudy weather, right? Uh, no, 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 it, it, okay. it wasn't the cloudy weather I wanted. I wanted to be in the sun 24 seven. I don't even care if it ever goes down. Okay. If I was somewhere, the sun just stayed up 24 seven, I'd be a happy camper. 
You know, I was uh, when I moved to Tucson, I had been to Tucson, but just briefly. Uh, and I knew that Tucson was renowned for having like 355 sunny days out of every 365. I guess Tucson's sunnier than Phoenix is. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, it holds. It actually is sunnier. Well, I went there and I was uh, shocked that so many winter days were just like this. And I realized then that they measure a sunny day in terms of minutes. So if there's more than like 60 minutes of sun in a given day, that qualifies as a sunny day. So there were a lot of days like this in Tucson, even though it's the sunniest place in the United States. Yeah. It, so now you've really, really upset the apple cart because I like sunny to be sunny. Not, well, not just four four minutes of sun. Oh, good, it's sunny. That's how they that's how they count it back in Nebraska. Yeah, I'm with you a hundred percent. I'd rather have it be sunny all the time. And uh, the one thing I have to keep reminding myself though is that when we have this conversation in say December or January, I thank my lucky stars that I lived in Tucson because it was not snowy. The one time it snowed was the year before we moved there. It was the blizzard of 72 i think it was and um it was still talked about when i visited tucson decades later there was a newspaper headline that said oh this is the 30th anniversary of the blizzard of 72 or whatever it was what they did was define blizzard uh, i'm about to do that six inches of snow that completely screwed up the traffic not only of the residents of tucson but also of all the trucks going through on interstate 10 heading from california to uh you know points east and uh those trucks uh basically came to a screeching halt not screeching i guess a sliding halt on the the six inches of snow that they had, which had completely melted by the end of the day. So that was the blizzard of 72 that just completely destroyed everything. Now, years later, I was in Tucson when I was listening to the radio, a big announcement. Oh, man, we've got a weather emergency that's wrecking the traffic and the uh, traffic's getting backed up and uh, don't plan on going anywhere. What it was, was snow to the east of Tucson in Benson and in that area, which is a higher elevation, all the trucks that were headed in that direction decided to stop in Tucson and pulled off the road. You know, they exited interstate 10 and just parked themselves on side streets and decided to wait it out. And so that was another huge weather problem that didn't, wasn't really caused by any significant weather that you and I would recognize as a big problem. But in Tucson, it was a huge deal. You know, it's it's funny, the weather out here, how people perceive it and react to it so differently than the Midwest. I had been out here for a number of years, and then one day somebody called us up. I kid you not, one of our neighbors called us up and goes, go outside, go outside, it's snowing. And I'm going, oh, really? So then <laughs> I go outside. I've seen it before. <laughs> there's, I've seen a few snowflakes before. I go outside and there's like, Oh, I don't know. You, they were coming down. There was snowing on my uh-huh. driveway, but they were coming down so slowly. And I don't, I don't really consider myself a real fast counter, but I could count the flakes hitting <laughs> my driveway. And people oh, were up. They were, they were outside all the way down our street taking pictures because it was collecting, you know, like four snowflakes thick on sure. the roof. Well, I'll tell you, when we first got this house in 04, uh, it was at the end of the year, and early in 05, I was out here, and I had to go to Phoenix 
which is downhill from Cave Creek, about a thousand feet lower in elevation. And of course, <laughs> and who predicted this? The weather is completely different in Phoenix. So I was in Phoenix. It was sunny. It was 70 degrees. This was in maybe January or seven, uh, February of um, 05. And yeah, uh, I yep. drove back to Cave Creek, took me, you know, half an hour or so. And all of a sudden I realized that things were hitting my car and those things turned out to be hailstones. They weren't quite oh. as big as golf balls, but they oh. were, they were plentiful and they were angry and they were bombing my car. And I was getting pretty close to the house and every tree, every big bush had cars clustered around them, you know, to protect them from the, from the hailstone. And I realized I was not going to find any shelter. So I just drove the extra three or four minutes right to my garage, pulled in and went outside to look at the hail falling down. And it looked just, it was probably three inches of white stuff on the ground that would have been a snowstorm anywhere else, but in uh, oh, 70, yeah. 70 degree weather in Cave Creek, it was a hailstorm of immense proportions. So, which car were you driving? I was driving my 98 Blazer, which I still have. It's the last of the two-door Blazers. I'm not giving it up because I don't drive anything with four doors if I can avoid it. And yeah, uh, it, there was no just, damage. That's just bad. If if I ever see you driving in a four-door, yeah. I, I, won't tell, I won't tell a soul. Well, I have to put a sign up when I drive Mary's car, you know, not my car. <laughs> Or no, my other, it's my her other car. It, it's her car. <laughs> yeah, my my other car has uh, fewer doors or something, but it's yeah, uh, exactly. I'm just uh, I'm a stickler for certain things, and that's one of those things. Hey, I've got some really exciting news for you. And okay, we, good. I have a tendency to get diarrhea of the mouth. Hard to believe, I know, but it's uh, you know, uh, 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 longtime listeners of this uh, podcast may understand that I have a tendency to run on and and I have to be brought up short at the end of the episode. So what I'm going to do is ask you to remind me to share the exciting news that I have. It's going to be exciting for you, and it's going to be exciting for all of the listeners too. So uh, please let me know at the end of the uh, episode that I should now tell the news that I have the big, exciting news that I'm okay. I will. I'll say, okay, now's the time, Doug, share yep. the exciting news. Let me know. And let the clock be your guide. Let's, let's okay. not let me yak on for 45 minutes. Okay. Well, I, well, we are definitely in, at the point in time where we need to get off onto the uh, Medicare side of the world. Let's but then as that. we, as we grow close to the end, when the gas is bouncing on E, I'll give you a warning. I'll look forward to that. And right now, as alert listeners to this podcast may remember, my wife underwent knee surgery, and she was given a book in preparation for that procedure by the medical practice that she went to. And it was, um, I thought, poorly written and had a lot of things that people would go, well, duh, you <laughs> And so I thought, well, a little bit of this book might make some entertaining podcast information. Now, that same day that she handed me the book uh, to use for a podcast episode, I also got a call from a longtime client. When I say longtime, he's been a client for a few years since he retired, but he was my dentist for a long time. So I've known this guy for 30 years or so, and uh, he was on the verge of undergoing hip replacement surgery. And I thought it was pretty odd that I got 
that news from him the same day as my wife handed me her knee replacement book. And so then it occurred to me that we might have a lot of people in the audience that are going to undergo knee replacement. And so they might want to have the information ahead of time that this book had shared with my wife. So I started reading the book and then come to find out this is a, a lot of information. So we are now starting episode number six of Knee Replacement Chronicles. And it's uh, pretty exciting because we've been through the surgery. We've been through uh, the uh, the start of the recovery process. And now we are at the point where we're looking at what happens at home. And this is the first element they address here is diet. So, Resume your diet as tolerated. Now, this is about three plus months after the surgery. So we've been uh, almost recovered. I would think that we're playing hopscotch and skipping ropes on a regular basis. But, you know, what do I know? I've never had this kind of surgery before. All I hear from the the uh, knee replacement patient in my house is complaints about the pain. It doesn't seem to go away as quickly as uh, this book would have you believe. But at three plus months, it says resume your diet as tolerated, including plenty of vegetables, fruits, and proteins, meats, fish, chicken, legumes, nuts, eggs, and dairy. Well, that's, you know, pretty much uh, what most people eat, I would say. I don't know why they had to list it. Resume your diet. That would have been sufficient for me. Uh, anyway, it promotes healing. Drink plenty of fluids. It's common after surgery to lack an appetite. This is three months later. So I don't, you know, you would have starved to death if you lacked an appetite after surgery and did not force yourself to eat. So this may be the result of anesthesia and some of the medications. Proper nutrition is needed for healing. During the healing process, the body needs increased amounts of calories, protein, vitamins, vitamin A and C. Eat a variety of foods to get all the vitamins and minerals your body needs. Sounds like a uh, TV commercial. You may return to alcohol consumption once you are no longer taking narcotic pain medications. Do not drink alcohol if you are taking narcotic pain medications. Well, I'll tell you, when I had back surgery, I found the only way the pain medication was effective was to drink alcohol with it to wash down those pills. And uh, uh, it was uh, it was the uh, effective way or the, the only way I can think of to make the painkiller, the uh, narcotics more effective. OK, now here's my favorite paragraph. And it's only a paragraph. You'd think it'd be several pages, but the headline on this paragraph is sexual activity after knee replacement. After knee replacement, sexual activity may resume when you are comfortable. And as long as there are not, there is not sufficient, uh, significant pain. Kneeling or squatting is not permitted until you are informed by your surgical team. Otherwise, sexual activity may resume when you feel you are safely able. So that's not much of a paragraph. I'm telling you, it said you can start when you're able. And it said that twice, and that's most of the paragraph. And then we talk about kneeling and squatting. I wanted more detail on the kneeling and squatting. But unfortunately, this book isn't going to be forthcoming in that area. So the next paragraph we have is weeks 6 to 12. Now, the prior one was three plus months, which would be, Three times four, that's 12 weeks. Okay, week six to 12 at home. 
no, no hint of sexual uh, activity in weeks six to 12. I'm sorry to say this period after joint replacement is the time of continued improvement. You will probably notice an increase in energy, a desire to increase your activity level and recognize a, a noticeable improvement in your new joint. Please keep in mind that every patient is different and will improve at a different pace. If you are not happy with the pace of your recovery, please contact your surgical team to discuss your concerns. Well, I'm not happy right now. I'm the uh, knee replacement coach. It's been two weeks and all I get is uh, whining and complaining. So I'm tempted to call the uh, surgical team, but I suppose I shouldn't do that since I'm not the patient. I'm only the coach. So the next heading is walking. Usually by week two or three, most patients no longer require a walker and have graduated to cane use. By four to six weeks, that's not true in the Jones house, by the way, four to six weeks, most patients are no longer using walking aids or assistive devices. However, it is okay to use the assistive devices as long as you want and as long as you need uh, and as long as you are comfortable. Remember, it's not a race. Progress at your own pace. Back to work is the next headline. Although it varies from patient to patient, most patients are able to return to work after the six-week follow-up visit. Tips to remember when returning to work are the following. Avoid heavy lifting after you return to work. Avoid standing or sitting for long periods of time. Avoid activities such as frequently climbing stairs or climbing ladders. Well, how am I going to get her up there to clean the gutters if she can't climb ladders? Avoid kneeling, stooping, bending. Well, what kind of work can you do without stooping, bending, kneeling, or you know any position that puts a new joint under extreme strain? Wow, I'd have a somebody would pay me to take a nap. That would be the work I would uh, be performing at this uh, point of my recovery. Uh, expect a period of adjustment. Most people return to work without problems. However, you may find that the first several days are very tiring. Give yourself time to adjust to work again, and gradually that should improve. Continued exercise. At this point, many patients stop working with physical therapy. It's highly recommended that you continue to exercise. It's the most important activity to increase strength and leads to the best outcome. Work at home activities. Work or home activities should not replace your exercise programs. Compliance with all restrictions. Although you are feeling back to normal, it's important to understand and follow the restrictions your surgical team discussed with you. Any restrictions are to protect your new knee replacement as you continue to heal. If you want to achieve a successful outcome, please be patient and follow your surgical team's instructions. <clears throat> Let's see. Preventing infection is extremely important for the rest of your life. Your new joint is artificial and does not have your body's natural protection against infection. Although it is rare, it is possible to develop an infection in the joint in the post-operative period. To minimize your risk of infection, do the following. Do not rub. So do the following. Do not rub, touch, or pick at your surgical wound. <laughs> okay. Do not allow pets to lick or rub against your wound. Randy's going, how do I stop my pets from licking my wound? Also, take an antibiotic before dental procedures. Um, with dental prophylaxis, because your new joint is artificial and does not have your body's natural protection against infection, dental procedures can, be, uh, can potentially lead to the spread of oral bacteria to the bloodstream. This has the potential to spread bacteria to joint replacements, 
As such, it is recommended that patients with joint replacements take antibiotics approximately 30 minutes prior to any dental procedure, including teeth cleaning. Before having a dental procedure, notify your dentist of your knee replacement. He or she should provide you with the antibiotics. If the dentist is unwilling or unable to provide the antibiotics, you may contact your surgical team and request the antibiotic prescription if needed. So rehab and recovery, physical therapy, blah, 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 potential complication. Okay, maybe people would want to hear this. Potential complications following knee replacement, deep vein thrombosis or blood clots. They're a potential complication following knee replacement surgery. A blood clot from your leg can travel to your lungs, killing you or causing pulmonary embolus and or other serious health complications. Preventing a blood clot from forming is the best treatment method. We had a machine that squeezed the lower legs. It was a real problem hooking that thing up and then unhooking it and hooking it up again. But uh, the, the machine theoretically uh, reduced the uh, danger of deep vein thrombosis. Uh, and uh, we uh, used it religiously for the first week or so and then tapered off. You can lower your uh, risk of developing a blood clot by avoiding smoking before and after knee replacement. That doesn't sound fun. Exercising and staying active, taking blood thinners such as aspirin, Eliquis, Xeralto, wearing support stockings, ooh, fashion statement, using sequential compression devices. That's what we used. When I say we, I'm talking about I was the coach and I had a patient that I coached through the process. Symptoms, pain and or redness in your thigh, calf, or leg unrelated to your surgical wound. Increased swelling of your thigh, calf, ankle, or foot. Shortness of breath or chest pain when breathing. If you develop any of those symptoms, immediately call your surgical team or go to the nearest emergency room. Okay, surgical site infection. I think we all know how to tell whether or not our our incision is infected. Physical therapy. Uh, FAQs. Oh, boy. Here's some FAQs. We're getting close to running out of time. Maybe I'll save the FAQs for our final chapter, our final episode of knee replacement surgery. That'll be episode number seven. And uh, we'll do that next time, boys and girls. Uh, here's the exciting news that Randy was about to remind me about. Uh, I, yes, I'm, Doug. Doug, tell the exciting news. <laughs> right on the job, Johnny on the spot. I am so <laughs> excited to report. We have um, had a lot of uh, mileage out of the knee replacement information, and uh, the important information may help future knee replacement candidates to understand better what they're facing so they won't be unpleasantly surprised. Well, I am pleased to report that a friend of mine is undergoing is planning to undergo rotator cuff surgery. Uh, it's a shoulder surgery. And so I'm so excited because the, the poor guy is in incredible pain. He can't lift anything. Uh, and uh, he had the other shoulder operated on a bunch of years ago, and it was just the recovery was as bad as any knee replacement. So I'm planning to piggyback on his misery for our benefit, Randy. So we can uh, follow along. Well, I am so excited. He you is. Know, the, I 
I really love these. Well, you you actually coined a phrase that I was I was absolutely so excited you did. The knee replacement chronicles. Now we can have the rotator cuff chronicles. Absolutely, uh, and the uh, really cool thing about it is he's using <laughs> he, he when he uh, got the results of his MRI that confirmed that he had a rotator cuff problem that needed surgical intervention. It wasn't going to heal itself. He called his former doctor in New York, who he trusts implicitly, and the doctor said, "All right, here's who you go to in Arizona." to fix that thing up same surgeon same doctor is our oh, knee replacement wow. guy that is so cool now i do have to mention one thing what's that you know the, you know this the whoever wrote this book yep. that you know is is uh basically serving as the reference guide for the knee chronicles the yep, knee replacement yep, yep. chronicles they they don't know how to do a very eloquent turn of phrase because you know the one I will never forget this phrase it was in a previous podcast you were referring to taking heavy painkillers and uh-huh. here was the phrase you you read it directly out of the book you said you are not allowed to drive <laughs> heavy painkillers cause constipation <laughs> okay, I'm well, going, they could have. Okay, they, so, so. they needed a proofreader, but I'll tell you, that's the kind of stuff that endeared me to the book in the first place. That's the reason that I was reading the book. I wanted people to take it all with a grain of salt, and you have you. It had the right impact on you. If you ever need a knee replacement, you're going to be miles ahead of the other knee replacement candidates. I will never forget that phrase. I, I'm looking. I'm here and go. What? Did you just say? <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, you know, we are out of time. You uh, might well, I, have to, I have to share one little fact. Not All only right. is not only is my friend Roy using the same surgical practice, guess what they're going to do? They're probably going to give him a, a rotator cuff surgery book. Oh, cool. Ask him but, if we can borrow it. Oh, I'm not going to ask him. I'm just going to snatch it away and start photocopying it. Well, yeah, absolutely, because it's now that we have the knee replacement chronicles, then we can move right on into the rotator cuff repair chronic or or replacement. I don't know whether you repair a rotator cuff or you replace. I think I think we'll know by the time we finish our eighteen That's episodes right. about that. That's right. So we need to be thinking about the next. Uh, you know, we used to have back in the day on public uh, television there was the computer chronicles. You remember uh-huh. that? No, I don't, because I wouldn't have watched that. Stuart Chaffee was was the host. But anyway, long story short is now we have, we're starting our own Chronicle series, and I am so excited. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun, and uh, frankly, what we ought to be doing is looking for other surgical candidates. You know, maybe people that are going to have organs removed or whatever. Uh, yeah, I wish, absolutely. I wish uh, we missed Mickey Mantle by about 20 years. He's the guy who had a liver transplant and then decided, well, I got a new liver. I might as well start drinking again. That's and, right. Uh, I'm good to go now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, Mickey, this is going to be a whole. Slow it down. Back off, Mickey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't, uh, didn't take him too long to wreck liver number two. Oh, geez. Well, you know. We have the most fun doing this for you folks on the podcast. There's a few things I always like to mention before we sign off. We've already talked about the book. We've already talked all the various forms that it is available in. But we haven't talked about writing Doug today. You need to pull out a pencil 
and write Doug an email at dbj at mlmmailbag.com, just the way it sounds, because he gets up every morning, I kid you not, every morning and runs to the mailbox hoping to see something with his name on it. And when it doesn't happen, he is so downtrodden the rest of the day. And we don't want that to happen. And he, you know, he's got a point there. I, it does wreck my whole day when I don't get correspondence from my beloved uh, clients and potential clients. So I welcome that and look forward to it. Absolutely. Well, you guys, you make our day every day. So thanks for joining us. You could have been a hundred or maybe even a thousand different places, but you weren't. You were with us spending a bit of time with the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast by Doug. We, you know, Doug Jones, he's such an incredible guy. He is actually something that you would want to spend 32 and a half minutes with, with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma, not anymore. He's living in Cave Creek, Arizona, up in the nosebleed section of the mountains behind the city in his fortress of solitude, watching over the city. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>